Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. Each week, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Matt Robinson, or another member of the Bethlehem team. We also host a conversation every week where we unpack different facets of Sunday's message. We're so excited about this conversation, and we hope it's a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Well, hey there. I'm Pastor Cody. And I'm Pastor Matt. And we're here to have ourselves one of them conversations. Yes, we are. And a, con- a congested conversation. A congested conversation. But if I'm you're a listening, Crown edition. Yep. If you're listening, you you can hear that I did in fact survive last week, though I did have yeah. thoughts of not. <laughs> um, but I sound much better on this week's broadcast, and I'm so glad because we are talking about our first week in the book of Ruth. Yeah, we are. It's really good. Yeah. Um, so in the description of this conversation, you will see a link to the message and a link to the sermon notes. Uh, those will be your friends when it comes to interpreting this bad boy. So, yeah, super excited. How do you, how do you uh, man, what are your pregame thoughts going into this series? I think it's going to be good. Um, I think it's going to be exactly what I needed, and it has been thus far, and I just can't wait to see what all the Lord uh, does through this scripture, through this passage in my own life. Yeah. I'm excited. Mm. Love it. Yeah, you have yeah. one of those catchy taglines like hashtag I am Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag where's my Boaz. Ruth. Spoiler alert. Where's my <laughs> <laughs> hashtag threshing floor. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> hashtag get my slippers. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, hashtag, hashtag nice feet. <laughs> And with that, we'll be right back. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man! So, (laughs) so jumping back in here, boy. There's going to be so many feet puns today. Yeah, if we're jumping in, we got to use our feet. We're going to jump in feet first. (laughs) 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 There's going to be so many hashtags that we talk. From this hey, listen, come up with a hashtag. Maybe we'll send you some merch or something. Yeah, if it has to do with feet, we're in. Yeah, feet. We love feet. We have a thing. Send us your feet pics. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> so moving through here. Yeah. So, okay. Walking, so, walking through this Walking one. through this text here because we're going to exegete some stuff today. Um, we're going to exefeet this thing. <laughs> Oh my goodness. If you don't understand. It's okay. You don't yeah, want to know. You'll you'll figure it out in the yeah. next couple of weeks. <laughs> and then hopefully you'll forget about us laughing at it at this point. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Gracious. Yeah. Talk about pulling the curtain back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Ruth week mm. one. The message title uh, yes. uh was decisively loyal. That's right. Um and really just a, a super I mean, there's a lot going on here in the narrative, but yeah. just a you know the overarching thing here is, is loyalty, mm-hmm. uh, is beautiful friendship, yeah. and there's just you know maybe a lot of unexpected things in here. So maybe uh, just unpack for us for a second for those who I feel like Ruth is kind of a book that gets neglected a lot. Mm-hmm. You either love it or you've never heard of it. Is right. kind of my experience with it. Uh, but maybe for those who aren't familiar with it, just kind of give them a brief synopsis of what happens in the narrative in the first chapter. Yeah, so the first chapter we find that uh, Naomi, Elimelech's wife, is kind of the, the, the focal point here in the first chapter. And she leaves with her husband, Elimelech, and they go to the land of Moab. 
and she has two sons, Chilion uh, and uh, Omicron. I mean, uh, <laughs> Chilion and Malon. And uh, those two guys, uh, you know, it's essentially, you know, her sons, they're, uh, there, there's no heirs, there's no children, no grandchildren, there's children, no grandchildren, and they're looking to avoid a famine in the land. They're from Bethlehem, Judah, and uh, they they journey to the land of Moab, so we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, that well-watered plain, if you will, near the, the Dead Sea, um, described near there, described um, similar to, um, you know, where, where Lot would have... Uh, been you know with his with his two daughters mm-hmm. uh one of them being um one of his two daughters in that story of Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament you know where she has an incestuous relationship with her with her father uh essentially cuz she thinks that you know her civilization as she knows it is ending and that's her only path mm-hmm. we think about things from our western culture and it absolutely makes no sense right for her it was the last she resort. She was preserving her line. Yeah, it was the basically. last, uh, if it was the last meal on earth, so to speak, uh, you would eat it and then die, you know, that kind of thing, you know. But it, it's, yeah. that was the mentality she was coming out of, her and her sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really messed up situation. But that line was, uh, one of those daughters was the line of, of Moab that, that created essentially that, yeah. um, you know, that, that country, that people group. And so that's where they go and they journey there. They hear of, you know, an opportunity to... Uh, have fields and and you know a life there um, and then within 10 years it's all gone you know and, and kind of the way the perspective that I had towards this is Naomi in the first chapter first chapter of Ruth is the female version of Job is how I see it in, yeah in, she was definitely scripture. dealt a bad lot yeah mm-hmm. and her husband dies Elimelech dies and her two sons Malon Chilion they're both dead within 10 years uh, and she's left there with her two daughters-in-law, who are essentially Moabitess women. Ruth was, um, and they're from other other countries. And so, um, you know, you have her there with her daughters-in-law, no children yet, no grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And so she tells them, "Look, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem, and uh, you should go back to your land, and you should find husbands. That way, you can uh, not end up like me." You know, end up <clears throat> husbandless and grandchildrenless and all that, right? Andrew um, Garfield jumps out. I just just don't want you to end up like me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> with the crying face. Right. He's such an emotional guy. Spo- spoiler. Yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh uh, man, if you haven't seen the new Spider Man, you you got to. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, we should do a whole episode on like our thoughts Spider-Man. on Spider Man. Yeah. Oh, it was just great. I'm something of a. Something of a scientist myself, they say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was, oh, it was good, though. Uh, anyway, but that's kind of the, the story. Naomi's cutting them loose, and uh, Orpa says, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that really got me on Sunday. Yeah, but Orpa, you know, basically says, yes, I love you, Naomi, and I'm going to head back and find a husband. And uh, Ruth takes a different approach. She takes a different approach. Yeah, you want me to read the, the book of Ruth. Yeah, this is the this is like her. This is like one of the precursors to the Avengers, right here. Um, <laughs> Ruth one sixteen. Uh, she says, but Ruth replied, "Don't plead with me uh, to abandon you or to return mm-hmm. and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you live, I will live. Your yeah. people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so yeah. severely if anything but death separates you and me." It's just a 
really powerful. Pi- I mean, that's the message: decisively loyal. Yeah, you know, there is. I mean, there's zero turn in that. She's like, nope, no. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. She she decided. There's nothing better than when your in laws say, "I'm not going anywhere." <laughs> <laughs> Or when you say to your in-laws, I'm not going anywhere. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's, yeah. I think, oh, how the turntables. Yeah. But I, I just think it's um, it's an incredible picture, and, and we can get into that more. But, um, you know, she decides that she's going to go with Naomi. And um, it's just a, it's an incredible story. And so I'm, I'm walking through this. I don't want to give too much of the farm away. Uh, as we continue through this study. Um, but I think that there's so many things that we can take away. And of course, last week we were talking about decisions, making the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here's this, you know, here's this young woman who has absolutely nothing in terms of like, uh, you know, there's no collateral, if you will, for her decision None. That, that's been put up for her to say, yeah, I'm going to do that because fill in the blank you know there is no fill in the blank she you know has this principle this moving moment where the lord leads her to do this thing and she makes that decision that she's going to stand by her no matter what it's it was her calling maybe we could call it that you know yeah it was her calling to stay by naomi's side Mm -hmm. and uh, man the lord used it in such an incredible way but i just think how many of us we know who we should be loyal to but yet, how many times do we make that decision to kind of go the other direction? It's true. And I think it's because unlike, uh, you know, Ruth and Naomi in the situation, we always, I mean, there was really no, you know, there was no, no skin in the game for her for making this decision. There was mm-hmm. no, like, it wasn't like she was hunkered down at a household that had a lot of money and she was just comfortable. Like it yeah. was, if anything, she like forced herself to be in a position of suffering and not mm-hmm. the other way around where she was playing a game to get any sort of financial gain or or more relational equity with somebody that had clout. Uh, It was just, no, it was just loyalty. Yeah. And you get the sense that, you know, she was close to Naomi. Mm -hmm. And I think too, it's, uh, you know, you, you, you don't even look, you don't look down on Orpah. Um, The moment that the scripture portrays, the narrator, I should say, the moment that the narrator portrays like, you know, where Naomi has this conversation with these two, they were almost like her daughters, you know, pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you get the sense that they were really close Mm -hmm. and, and that Ruth valued Naomi more as a person, right. Than her, than herself, you know, because if she valued herself more, she would have left, she would have left, you know? And so this, this thing about who the Lord, uh, leads us to, you know, we have to value each other. You know, we have to make decisions uh, to be loyal and to um, put people before those processes, but put people yeah. before even our problems, you know, and and get to that place where we, we make those decisions based off of not sometimes what makes sense, but based on, you know, who it makes sense for. And in this story, it was someone else, you know, mm-hmm. which is pretty, it's pretty powerful. Um, but yeah, there, there were a lot of, you know, things that were implications from, from chapter one, you know, that I think were really helpful for me. Um, but it was, it was really good. Yeah. And what if we could just like implant that attitude into how we treat our fellow brothers and sisters in the church, Mm. you know, Neuralink that thing in. Yep. Neuralink it, just front load it into your brain (laughs) and, you know, but, but seriously, like make decisions like it, 
You know, yeah. though me doing this for you and being there for you or helping you or just being your friend, yeah. though there's no like benefit to me, so to speak, right? Like you're my tribe, you're my people, like we're going to be there for each other, mm. you know, regardless of what, That's right. of what the, uh, you know, the circumstances are that surround it. You That's know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like what if, <laughs> what if we as the church actually had each other's backs? And I know that that's not, I'm kind of reaching a little bit if I were exegeting this passage, because that's not what it's about, but just mm. kind of taking this principle and running with it a little bit, like wh- what if we had just a sliver of, of this kind of loyalty on our friendships? Mm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You, uh, just a sliver. It's a, it's a hard feat. <laughs> Jeez. Couldn't leave it. Couldn't leave it out. No. Um, Man, you've got you got a couple interesting things in here that that I that I thought were um, just super practical, and I think that we all can identify with. But mm-hmm. um, one of the things that you said, or one of your points rather, is uh, tragedy and trauma will seek to redefine who you are. And I think that you know life shapes all of us in a different way, but mm-hmm. I think you're spot on, and that trauma does in fact fundamentally change mm-hmm. who we are as people. Yeah, and the extent of that change, I guess, is you know ultimately what we do or how we process. Right. said trauma but um man that's it's pretty evident in the passage as well yeah. you know that it, it it does something to you yeah and, and i think where would she where would naomi be without ruth you know mm-hmm. she would be mara yep she would be mara she would be mara yeah so it's it's you know that that thing about it's both sides right so if you're the ruth in the scenario you know you need to understand that what you're doing is infinitely valuable for that person that you're mm-hmm. saving from their trauma and from their tragedy. Yeah. And then flipping the script, if you're the one walking through some of those difficult things, um, you know, don't let it define you in isolation, you know, find your, your identity in Christ and allow that to al- allow it to, uh, play out, you know, allow those things, not necessarily saying, allow tragedy and trauma to play out. But as they seek to redefine you, the Lord has a plan. The Lord's working his plan. Let that plan play out through. He doesn't, he doesn't work apart from, he works in the midst of. Yeah. He doesn't uh, work with just the good things. You know, he works with the tragedy and with the trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he has to. Yeah. He can't not, not use those things. Uh, If he didn't, then, you know, he wouldn't, uh, you know, he wouldn't have, have stepped out of heaven and came and engaged and taken this fight all the way to the devil's doorstep. Mm-hmm. You know, so th- this this whole picture here is something of uh, it's the gospel. You know, it's suffering at its at its m- most unique place, um, and that's where we have this moment, this crossroads, where where we think that we're we're being redefined by the hard things that we're going through, and then the Holy Spirit of God comes in. And maybe through a decisively loyal friend, um, through a, a gathering, through, you know, prayer, through whatever that is for you, you know, the Lord seems to turn that thing for good, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what was so painful to even speak of or even ponder on is now something that begins to actually liberate you, where you see that, you know, the, the weight that the things of this world carry aren't really a weight anymore. You know, there are things that are pictures of his grace. You know, they're pictures of, of a friendship, of decisive loyalty coming in and infusing your spiritual life with sustenance that you didn't even think existed. Um, so it, it's just amazing to see this story turn from, you know, I'm and, and we're in the process of seeing it turn 
you know, I'm being redefined by this thing um, to, you know, literally the Lord carrying her through this, through this thing. Um, yeah. It's, it's an amazing, you know, the Lord, I, I, after that point, it says the Lord is working in the very thing that is working to redefine you. He is faithful in every season. Um, but anyway. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand, and you talked about it in your message, you know, <laughs> if God had no dealings with imperfect situations, he would have no dealing with us right. at all. Yeah. You know, and like you said, the incarnate Christ, <laughs> he implanted himself. That's my favorite word for today. Yeah, he he neuralinked himself yeah. in this thing. <clears throat> you know, he, uh, you know, he put himself into humanity, a very yeah. imperfect the most imperfect picture mm. and he chose to come and to do a work and it was completed as it should have been. And so our imperfections and our messy situations don't stand in his way. Um, they're an opportunity for him to flex. They really mm. are. And yeah. when we look at the story here, you know, as you, we, if you take a step back and you think about what Ruth, a Moabite woman meant to Naomi, who was a Judahite and the fact that she is, is going to see God's provision through this Moabite woman you know, when she could have just left her for dead, really. Um, it's a it's a really beautiful picture of, of just how God chooses to work, always in unexpected ways. It's never yeah. in a cookie-cutter fashion. Mm-hmm. And if we take that and we look at that reality and we apply that to our own lives and, and we can see it, that though we are imperfect people who mm-hmm. are a part of imperfect families, God is doing a perfect work in all of us. Yeah, that's right. And we have to allow our perspective to not not be shaped by the trauma that we're surrounded by all the time, but mm-hmm. to be influenced by what the spirit is doing in the midst of that trauma and who he's showing himself to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know. Yeah. <laughs> who is the Moabite woman that the Holy Spirit is using to, you know, to show you how God is working? Yeah. That's a a pretty wild metaphor, I guess, it is. But, you know. Yeah, it's it is. And you know, he uses who he chooses. Mm-hmm. That's a nice rhyme. He I like that. Did, didn't he uses it. who he chooses. Son, it just flows. <laughs> it yeah. just flows. I, it, it's all throughout scripture, you know, where he makes those decisions, you know, that there's always a place for the stranger. You know, there's always a place for the outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he uses the outsider. You yeah. know, it's, it's definitely uh, in every aspect of scripture. And this story is a beautiful picture of that, you know, the place where you least expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she went to that land to find food, but she finds the very essence of what is the bigger part of the story that we're not going to, we're not going to spoil we're it. We're not going to spoil gonna, it. We will spoil Spider-Man, but we're not going to yeah. spoil this as the, as the story progresses, you know, there's something larger at play here. It's a bigger picture in play. Yeah. And you know, what's funny to Which me is, incredible. is that the old Testament specifically being a uniquely Jewish literary work mm-hmm. is full of these situations where these Gentile women un- under, under multiple circumstances, are God's vehicle of which he chooses to deliver his people or, a, you know, a subset or just a person. You know or what I mean? a person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a person. Yeah. Or a puh. Or puh. It's, it's oh, there. There's it. something there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's just really interesting that what is uniquely Jewish in its composition and its setting is, is just full of these stories where outsiders yeah. are used. And, you know, we see that in the lineage of Jesus where, <laughs> you know, there are Gentile women included in that. There's and some. It's, just, it's crazy. Yeah. Like uh, Rahab, you who, know. Who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought Rahab? Anyway, moving, Rahab. moving forward from those, that. Those are names. Yeah, don't read Matthew chapter 1 until we're done this yeah, series. Yeah, don't do it. Um, might spoil something. <laughs> might spoil it. But, um, man. And that, that kind of gives us a segue uh, yeah. into your final point here. But uh, Ruth, 
will be the well that the eternal living water of our God will flow from. Yeah. And you have a, Hebrew, a passage from Hebrews 12 in there. Yeah, which I love. <coughs> I think it's I just love that so much. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. Yeah, it's just a great passage. I think that that, um, you know, it just puts things in perspective for us that, you know, we can, I mean, we can screw up. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, you know. If you're, if <laughs> and we do. And we do. <laughs> yeah. And that's where the focus should just be like, don't, it was like that, that guy was talking today. I know. It was really good. So good. Uh, we went to this uh, cohort, uh, church planning cohort, and it was just fantastic. But um, a guy who's been at it 20 years just dropped some serious wisdom on us this morning. Mm-hmm. Wisdom bombs all over the place. Yeah. And I think for, for us, it's just, you see here in this story, you see here in Hebrews, you know, the idea that you just have to keep taking that next step. And what is what what does decisive loyalty look like? Well, decisive loyalty looks like just taking that next that next step with that person. Yep. And you know th- the abandonment that we all see in this culture, cancel culture, run away. You know, it is the opposite of what God is calling us to. You know, yeah. and and part of that I think is and would be so much more palatable for us if we learn to get along with people who are different. And if we learn to accept people's points of view that are different than ours, you know, you have here a, a, a Jewish woman and a Moabitess, you know, <laughs> two very different people, two very different people. But one that says, I'm going to be loyal to you no matter what. I'm going to adopt your God to be my God <clears throat> instead of going back to my God. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like at some point, maybe the Lord's calling you and this is just coming to me right now, but maybe the Lord's calling you to adopt someone else's point of view. Right. And at this, at this, uh, and I'm not, I don't think I'm stretching here, you know, for this, this sort of illustration from this text, but it's like, you know, maybe you, you could be someone's Ruth, but you won't be, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you could be that person for them if you would just adopt their point of view, it wouldn't have worked, you know, for Ruth to say, look, let's just go back to my country. Let's just go back to my God. And I'm not using the God of your understanding type thing. I'm not saying like, oh, it's their God or your God and meet them where they are. That's not what I'm saying. You know, it's it's more we're taking this illustration to an opinion or a political point of view, yeah. not a overarching who the who their God is. You know, we're not talking about compromise. We're talking about tier two, tier three, tier four, right? Issues right. that... You know, we all can agree on the same things, especially in our culture, uh, you know, and, and the, the the things that we're separating over and parting ways yeah. over are ridiculous. Yeah. <clears throat> and so it's just my political seeing, views do not matter. No. Your vaccination status does not matter. Not at all. You know, like none, yeah. of, none of these things are, are tiered issues. But yet we divide over them. Yeah. Yet we split the body over them over and over and over again. Yeah. But I just see here that she was willing to adopt her point of view and see mm-hmm. it from that perspective and say, here we go. And I, I mean, I think it's a testament to the <clears throat> fact that Yahweh is the, the true God. He is the true God. Um, but ultimately for us, where does that put us in these different situations? Are we able to continue or will we pull up short? Will we make a decision to derail that relationship or will we uh, decide to be loyal to that grind, loyal to that complexity when we sometimes just want to walk away and find something a little bit easier, you know, like continue in it, move forward in it, make that decision and fruit will come from it. It absolutely will. Fruit came from her decision. Um, but I think just, you know, the end here, 
um, you know, she, she made a decision to stay. And I think finding our position in the Lord, even when our disposition has changed, mm-hmm. keeping your position in God is, is vitally important. Continuing in that, not walking away from him. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Where is your loyalty? <laughs> it all circles back. Where is your believing loyalty? Yeah. Mm. Believing loyalty. Yeah. I love the way he puts that. Yeah. Old I think Heiser. Mm. Yeah. Old Dr. Mike Heiser. I'm about hey. to start a fan club. I was going to wear my layman scholar t-shirt today yeah. and I changed when I left the house or, you know, yeah. I had it on underneath of my Nike hoodie that has paint on it. Oh, nice. And when you were like, hey, you want to go to this cohort? I like looked down and was like, not in this outfit. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. <laughs> I'm dressed to salt the parking lot, not go to a meeting. Yeah. Um, it was a good change, though. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, your last line here, have your decisions. And this is a, 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 you know, a more practical challenge here. Uh, have your decisions and circumstances changed who you thought you were? Just keep going. The Lord sees you and is working something incredible out. Yep. And we just, we really have to work to see that. Um, and it shows, I think, in people. And, you know, we are, what we do is all centered around people. You, you people that are watching this. And, of course, I mean you people in a not derogatory way. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it's very observable, those who work hard to, to, to keep a good perspective, to keep the yeah. gospel at the forefront, and those who so quickly will will f- slip into into mm. s- into a, just a bad perspective on life. Yeah. The second the boat starts to rock. Mm. And so let's keep let's keep the gospel at the forefront and yeah. let's keep uh let's keep pressing forward. Why? Because though we are surrounded by trauma, we have a God whose spirit is currently working mm. and desires to work in the trauma that we are a part of and the trauma that we create. That's right. So, yeah, man, it's so good. Mhm. Lot, a lot to be unpacked in this There's story. There's a lot to unpack here. Please go yeah. read it. Yeah, and we're going to... The whole book is four it. chapters. Yeah, we're going to enjoy so. the the journey as we walk through it. Yep, on our feet. On our feet. Yep, feet first. Jumping <laughs> in. <laughs> God bless you. Thanks for Keep hanging out Keep your feet covered. Us. Thanks for hanging out. <laughs> God cold. bless. Do it's less. Cold. It's cold out there. <laughs> it is cold. Yep. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> God bless. God do bless. less. See ya. Thanks so much for tuning in for this conversation on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at BethlehemChurch.cc. And also, in every conversation we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description, and we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.